Well, greetings again, everyone, and happy Halloween, and also welcome to episode 44 of Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys from the same Michigan town, three generations, three hot takes. I'm the baby boomer, Ted Fatella, Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is Gen Xer Matt Burns of ESPN and our millennial Jared Fatell of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our partners tonight include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We'll also be checking in a little later on with our crusty athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Subscribe. Give us a rating on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3PointPod. Well, fellas, we got a lot to get into. We got football to talk about. We got uh, some movies we're going to get into. Where do you want to start? Well, I guess right now the news of the day is the uh, the NFL trade deadline was at 4 o'clock on the day that we're recording. We're recording on Tuesday. And for Lions fans, uh, Golden Tate, they, they made the move. They got a third rounder for Golden Tate. So, I don't know about you guys, but initially I, I like Golden Tate a lot. I think he's really like a game-changing type of receiver. I was a little bit like, man, I thought they could have got more. But, you know, getting up there a little bit in age, and, they, you know, the talk was he wasn't going to come back at, you know, he's, he's in his contract year. They weren't going to resign him. So I, I did, I, after a little bit th- thinking about it, I did think maybe that was a good move. It, it did have a feeling of throwing in the towel, though. I don't know if you guys thought that. Yeah, I thought, I thought the same exact thing as well. And if you want to, like, dive into my brain a little bit, I was like... I don't know if I, I want to do had, that. That's scary. I had, I had a hot take ready about, like, why, <laughs> didn't, we, why didn't we wait a week uh, and then see how we do against the Vikings? And then, like, it, like, clicked in my brain that it was, like, the trade deadline. Like, <laughs> so for, for about two hours, I was like, why didn't we just wait a week? So there, there's an inside look at my brain. But anyway, th- this move, I think it makes sense on paper, but I got to, like, I was really thinking about it. And I think Golden Tate is, like, my favorite Lion, like, of all time, honestly. Like, so far in my life. Like, that shows you how, like, kind of poor we've been as Lions, like, basically my entire life, where you guys had, like, Barry Sanders or whatever. Right. Golden Tate is my lightning rod. I loved him. He was, he was fun to watch. He had great celebrations. He reminds me a little bit of, like, the Prince Fielder trade, where it makes sense, like, X's and O's-wise and for the future of the franchise, but you just love having that guy on your team. And that's kind of how I felt, same way, where we had Prince Fielder, we'd got Ian Kinsler, and with that trade, that was the last time I ever watched baseball. <laughs> well, I do tend to agree that uh, trading uh, trading Tate it, it kindly show or it shows the Lions are are basically continuing to rebuild. Uh, you know, for a third round draft choice, I don't think that's unreasonable for a thirty year old wide receiver. He's a fine player, and I. I I'm right. on Jared's page that he's one of my favorite players on this current Lions team, or was anyway, I guess is how we'll say this. I think he fits into the Eagles. They needed a guy like that. And uh, Lions do have still some quality receivers, so I don't think they're going to miss a ton. But I think if they would have won that game on Sunday instead of lost in a terrible fashion, they may have been rethinking this possibly. But I think the salary, being in his salary year, it just made sense. It really did. Yeah, They got something – Something for him instead of nothing, though. Would they have still got a draft choice even if he left as a free agent? No, because he was going to be yeah an unrestricted free agent. So he would have just – they would have lost him for nothing, you know, if, if they let him go. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, you think about that. But, you know, I hear the – you know, you, you mentioned the Lions rebuilding for the future or, you know, they're, they're thinking about the future, getting a draft pick. But when has that ever worked out for the Lions? <laughs> I mean, that's my thing is, like, they're always rebuilding for the future. They're always trying to – trade these guys or make these signings that are for the future stock up on draft picks but when has that ever worked out and like to me they're one game out of first place in the the division right now somehow they are still only one game out of the division and they still have a lot of division games left so they still have a legitimate chance somehow to win the division this year and you trade your best wide receiver and you know it's a lot of people are high on Kenny Galladay and yeah he looks exciting and everything but he's he's not what Golden Tate is and you know, like there's that kid, Brandon Powell, who they drafted out of Florida this year that, whatever, he had a good camp. I don't know. So people are saying he's going to step in and just step up. But it's like these are all like young, kind of unproven players, really, when it comes down to it. And if I'm Matthew Stafford, I'm just sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like, you just traded away my best wide receiver. Like, I mean, he's Golden Tate was that guy that when it was third and five, when it was, you know, he was second and four, and you just needed some yards. You would give the ball to Golden Tate, and most of the time he'd get the first down or you know, at least gain yards. And 
to me, it's just a, it's just another move, and it's just like if you're really throwing in the towel and saying, is it the classic Lions line of, well, just wait till next year, like. It's, that's been the Lions for the last 30 years or whatever. It's a little frustrating. You know, maybe I misspoke a little bit. I mean, here's how I see it. You know, you got Bob Quinn running the team. The NFL has a hard salary cap. I mean, it just made business sense to make that move. It hurts to, lo- to lose a guy like Golden Tate. I agree with that. But at least you got a third-round draft choice. Maybe you don't look at it as rebuilding, but you do have to You do have to run the team and look at what you do for your salary. I mean, I think Ziggy's probably gone too, don't you Don't you guys think? Is he still on the team? I don't, yeah, that's yeah. a good question. I mean, you don't know. Exactly. He's on injury report. But it, it, I'm with Matt on this. It's honestly like, yeah, it makes business sense. And you guys know me. I love theater. That's really – I mean, really, that's what football is after all. That's what watching the Lions is. It's entertainment. Yeah. Like, whether or not it makes business sense, I could care less. Like, let's pay this guy. Let's keep him on our team. I like watching him. This is me talking as a fan, like I said. Not as a businessman, not as, like, a general manager on the team, but as a fan. And you know what the, what the real twist of the knife was, like, in this whole trade? Is I really thought that Golden Tate, like, loved being in, in Detroit. Like, he always tweeted with the fans. Said, like, after the Miami game, I remember he said Detroit, like, did a great job traveling. Like, they're su- such great fans. As soon as he was traded to Philly, hmm. he had like three or four tweets that were about like a Rocky Balboa, Philadelphia, like pumping his fists in the air, saying Philly, Philly. Like, you know, he's just absolutely ecstatic to leave. And, and my dumb brain thought that he loved being in Detroit. I feel like he loved being in Detroit for like, you know, the fans, maybe the culture, you know, behind the Lions and everything. Like, or, you know, our fan base or something like that. But I think he knows that if he actually wants a chance to legitimately compete this year, then, yeah, he's in a much better situation with the Eagles. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Super Bowl champions, you know, and he's got Carson Wentz to throw at him. And, you know, they're they're legitimate right now. I think they're 4-4, four and four, aren't they? they got a, a shot to make it back. Maybe he can give them a charge. But, again, I can't say it enough. I will miss Golden Tate. He was probably behind Stafford, my favorite player on the team. Yeah, he, he's a game changer. And, I mean, he, he's that receiver, like I said, you know, Kenny Galladay has shown some flashes. Marvin Jones, you know, he's shown some flashes. But they're not, like, the consistent game-changing type of receivers, at least in my opinion, that Golden Tate was. And, like, like I know he's getting, he's 30 years old, so he's getting up in age. And that's the whole, like, that's Patriot it. way, if you want to say it, the way that Belichick and Bob Quinn and all the, the Patriot guys have always done it. When a player starts to get up in age and they're getting to that point where they want that last big contract maybe of their career – that's when the Patriots usually let the guys go, and a lot of times it works out really well for the Patriots. So I don't know if that's what Bob Quinn saw. You know, maybe Golden Tate is on the decline a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he he was doing really well for the Lions, and it's basically, to me, it's the Lions saying that they're rebuilding for the future, and it's just like, okay, here we go again. Yeah. You guys know what what's not doing well? The rushing attack. 34 total yards. Did you guys see that? We had 34 total yards rushing. Yeah. Seahawks. Yeah, that was bad. good. That was such a bad game. I tell you, what, I've never been just more just like just disgusted. Not only with like the play in the field, but just how Lions fans are. Because you didn't see whenever any bad call goes against the Lions, like it's all over Twitter. Like how the refs always screw us. The refs like did everything in their power to try to help us win this game. <laughs> I mean, we saw what the pass interference call on like uh, Shaquem Griffin's brother like on Marvin Jones where he was literally laughing at how bad of a call it was after it happened right and then on the one touchdown they had called back where we literally shoved the guy out of bounds and he came back in and caught it for a touchdown pass like no there was crickets on Twitter like that's where we had to put the hand up and say hey maybe the refs aren't always against us here's a quiz for you what was the SOL same old Lions moment in that game for you guys uh sadly because I'm one of the biggest Matt Stafford fans it's it's when he the the fumble when they had got a stop you know they were down a couple scores they were starting to march a little bit and he kind of like you know ran up the line a little bit to scramble and it almost looked like he just kind of dropped the ball that that was to me that because hurt. that was just like here we go Stafford's gonna get this thing rolling they're gonna score you know get a stop get the ball back and <whistles> ball came out of his hands and and here's a, a dive into my dumb brain part too. Like, right when they were doing that drive, when they were down two scores, I was like, I should never – I'm so thankful that we have Stafford. He he always gives us a chance when we're down. Yes. And then, and then no, not two minutes later, 
interception right on the one-yard line. <laughs> well, I, and then there was a sliver of a chance they could maybe mount a comeback, and then how often do you see a punter deep, deep in his own territory was planning on taking a safety and then runs it for a first down and closes the game out? <laughs> that was pretty ugly. Especially, like, that's just one of those. I mean, Pete Carroll, you know, he's a great coach. He's one of the best in the league. But that's one of those that, like, that's almost like a slap in the face. That he has that much confidence that even if his punter doesn't get that, that the Seahawks were still going to be fine and win the game. Right. They're going to run a fake punt. You know, yeah, like you said, deep in their territory. I think he was taking the punt in his end zone. Yeah. He ran out and got the first down. So it's pitiful. And, I mean, you saw, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter or heard some some interviews or anything on on TV um, from some of the players, and they were saying that, like, there was just no focus. There was no, like, it almost seemed like they were just out there playing, no game plan. And that's that's just the kind of stuff that, you know, what are we, six, eight weeks into the season? Like, you you shouldn't be saying that stuff, I feel like. That's crazy. said that after the first game against the Jets, okay, maybe, you know, new coach, all that kind of stuff, okay, maybe you give them a pass. But halfway through the season – you, you should be as focused as you are, you know, at the end of the season, I guess. Not only was it a slap in the face, this is what it really was, Matt. It was a punter putting his, and earmuffs on this, his penis on the table <laughs> in a, against the Lions and slapping us in the face with his penis. That's what that was. Yep. And you know what, the, like, the whole no game plan, like, what was, like, baffling to me is, like, how much Damian Harrison played. Yeah. And, like, a lot of people are saying, like, how great he played. But it's like we kind of brought him in to be a run stopper, and that's not what we did. And they like, ran all over him. Well, they actually—I I mean, I saw a stat I, when he was on the field. The Seahawks averaged three or four yards less per carry when Harrison was on the field. So, I mean, he was effective when he was on the field. I don't know why he wasn't playing more, but when he was out there, the Seahawks weren't as effective running the ball. Right. So. Well, you pretty much just debunked everything I was just saying before. <laughs> I, I was going to say this joke. It's kind of like an office space. Like, where they ask the guy, like, what exactly do you do here? Like, you're supposed to bring it. But you, you, there you go. You answered it. Uh, so, thanks for ruining the joke. Hey, uh, let me get that out first. Before we move on to uh, to college football talk, and this kind of ties it in a little bit together, um, you know, the Cleveland Browns got rid of our guy there as head coach, Jared. What did you think of they, that? They did. But the craziest, I, I think it was a smart move, and this is like, Hugh Jackson was screwed from the start. I mean, once Twitter turns on you, like there, it's impossible it's over. to get back. Right. It's over for you. But did you guys? And they all. But the really big smart move was when they fired Todd Haley. Yeah. Like if you watch Hard Knocks, you just saw that this guy's uh, just to put it plain, he's a douchebag. But the craziest news, and you guys, let me know if you saw this. He, for some reason, this just came out today. He won a, a lawsuit against McDonald's for finding a dead rat in his wife's salad. Who did? Todd yeah, Haley. Todd Haley? Todd Haley, yeah. A dead rat. <laughs> Can you imagine getting a dead rat in your cell? <laughs> I would never that's go there crazy. again. That's pretty crazy. I thought you were going to say this, Jared. The the dead rat story, that's pretty funny. But I just saw when, when Hugh Jackson got fired, um, someone put, they, they just put the numbers, his record, because he actually has been a really bad head coach. Yes. He probably should have been fired like two years ago. But his winning percentage as, as a head coach is 205. <laughs> the stat is... Bill Belichick would have to lose his next 867 games <laughs> to equal that winning percentage. Oh, my God. Which is the equivalent of basically he'd have to lose every game for 54 seasons to have that kind of winning percentage. So, I mean, the fact that the dude even still had his job was pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, like like we talked about way before the season after watching Hard Knocks, it kind of sucks you in. You feel for the guy. He's a just seems like a good guy, good players coach, but uh, who knows what goes beyond behind the scenes when the cameras aren't on, you know? And obviously, oh yeah, he. I mean, he probably is, but it, I mean, the Browns franchise is just terrible. So I mean, it, is. it probably all doesn't fall on him. You know who they need to bring in to study the ship? Urban Meyer. No, Jim Caldwell. He, he, <laughs> exactly. I bet his name gets gets kicked around. Probably. He's Speaking a, of names getting kicked around, the, I don't know if you like right. Right away when he got fired, what do you think one of the first names brought up was? Jim Harbaugh. Oh, of course, of course. Of course. I feel like that that's what Michigan fans are going to deal with probably as long as Jim Harbaugh is the head coach. Every time there's an NFL coaching vacancy, it's going to be, is, is this going to be when Jim Harbaugh comes back? And I don't know how you guys feel. Obviously, like winning, you know, it's a lot better when things are going well like it is right now in Michigan. I just don't get the vibe that he's, at least anytime soon, going to leave Michigan. I totally don't. I mean, 
Michigan is one of the real marquee jobs. He obviously played there. He idolized Bo Schembechler. His he's got young kids in his second time around. They're they're entrenched in Ann Arbor. I mean, yeah, there there's some positives for sure in the NFL, but man, he could go another he could go another 10 or 15 years if he wants to in Michigan as long as he stay, you know, stays successful and I don't see that collapsing anytime under his reign. He, the the pay is good, but let me ask you this. Do you think he likes going to recruits houses in in Hoboken and trying to Oh, I think he loves it. Yeah, in a weird way, I think he does too. I, I kind of was as I was saying that I kind of was thinking the same thing. He's just a weird guy like that. I mean, did he like playing video games and going to Quinn Nordine's classes and camping out in somebody's living room and under their oh. tent? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he's a weird enough dude that he he just loves that stuff. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I I just always laugh. I mean, and it also it also makes me laugh that I don't know if they're strictly talking about college football, but you know the the whatever you want the experts say that he's overrated, can't win big games, he's overpaid, but then he's the first name that people say should get hired as an NFL head coach. So it's like, are you just talking about college ranks? Because you know if he's overrated and not a big game coach, why would he go to the NFL? Absolutely. Well, we're talking a little Harbaugh here. Before we uh, segue right into college football, I just want to tell our listeners about Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the local spot here in mid-Michigan to meet up with your friends, catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 big screen TVs, all kinds of weekly food and drink specials, great burgers, wings, pizza, along with homemade soup and salad. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of Shiawassee, at M21 in Corona. Well, college football, we're recording this Tuesday. We came on, uh, we came, we're recording this a little bit before the first rankings come out. I think we pretty much know what the top five or six are, but Michigan has a big game against Penn State this weekend. We don't really care so much about Michigan State right now, but uh, what, do, what are you guys thinking in college football? I'm not worried at all about Michigan losing this game. And, and, and like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's literally just because I trust Dr. Blitz that much. The fact that he has been thinking about this for the whole last year just makes – like I, I'll trust him to the end of it. For people who don't – who will maybe not trust like Harbaugh in a game like this, I, I say to you, put your trust in Don Brown. He's going to deliver this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I would kind of agree. I, I think he's proven that – even the years that Michigan has been down a little bit or lost some big games, it's rarely the defense that lets them down. I know the game last year against Penn State is maybe like the one game that the defense did get exposed a little bit. But like if I've got to hang my head on one thing, it's Michigan's defense. And you know, Trace McSorley is really talented. Their offense hasn't been like that great this year. So you know, if like I said, if I if I've got to go with one one of the sides of the ball in this game, whether it's Penn State or Michigan, I'd go with Michigan's defense. Yeah, I, I, McSorley scares me though. You know, he could well, he, get he, real hot, and he he's makes a plays. clutch player. He does make plays. Yep, he's hurt though. He might come out in a big. I hope he comes out in a big old uh, knee brace. <laughs> he's yeah, I mean, him. he he took like a helmet to the knee, but he finished last game. So yeah, who knows if you know if that swelled up or what happened during the week? Yeah, but that's a whole different story. If he doesn't play at a hundred percent, then you know I think Michigan can can take care of business for sure. Is there a line on that game yet? I know it opened just, at eleven and a half. I don't yeah, know if it's, it's moved 10. since then. Ten now. Huh? Michigan plus ten. I, but I will say, oh, okay. that I was a, it's kind of funny you mentioned this. I've never seen more of a, a lock to take than this game not uh, going below fifty-two and a half points. Okay. This is going to be such a low-scoring game. I I bet my life on it. Are you going to put I money bet. on it? Yes. This is I mean, lock. I I would tend to agree with you. I mean, I'm just trying to think. The last two years, though. You know, it was like forty nine to ten two years ago, and then whatever it was last year, forty nine to seventeen or whatever. So, I mean, the last two years, there's been a ton of points put up in this game. True, but Matt, those games did not have Doctor Blitz up every night for a year. Sure. This, this yeah, and last, last year, obviously, Saquon Barkley was just—he was a man up. amongst kids. So, I mean, I, I don't know. So, yeah, this this one might be different. Coach Brown, I agree with you. He'll have them ready, but uh, unfortunately, he doesn't suit up. So the boys on the field got to take care of business. No, for so, sure. And, and you know, I, that's the one thing that I always laugh at when when the coaches get criticized so much. I mean, you know, Harbaugh can't go out there and make throws, and Don Brown can't go out there and make tackles. So so the players got to step up and make plays. And that's that's one thing that's interesting about you know the college football playoff rankings coming out. You know, I was I was thinking about it two years ago, 2016, going into this. Michigan was undefeated going into November. They were in that the first the initial college football playoff rankings. They were the number three team, and you know they they obviously they lost to Iowa, then they lost to Ohio State. You know, and it's just another chance that Michigan has everything in front of them. 
they all they have to do is win their games on their schedule and they're in the college football playoff and you know i i don't know about i i don't know what you guys think but i, I feel pretty there's i feel pretty good about it this year i don't know wow you're so far into the kool-aid Matt. i don't know. i am man i'm, I'm bonging the kool-aid right now you're kind of you're but you now tell me if i'm wrong i kind of feel like you're in on you're and it's okay you can put your hand up on this i'm not blaming you but it kind of feels like you're in on the kool-aid on michigan every year <laughs> not every year i i wasn't i mean last year obviously they, i mean john o'corn and that, that whole that was terrible I, I wasn't last year but no two years ago the one thing i i was never a wilton spate fan i i love the defense two years ago i did not trust wilton spate to win big games and, and he proved me right so now i'm always, i've been in on the defense you know basically ever since don brown's been there so the one difference has always been shea patterson so or a quarterback and we got shea patterson now so yeah, speaking of like difference, do you guys difference makers? Do you guys think like Rashawn Gary is he ever going? Is he done? Do you think he's just going to prepare for the combine? I don't. No, I don't think so. If he's healthy enough at the end of the year, I think he'll be back because he'll want to play against Ohio State. I mean, that's my gut feel. Mm-hmm. I, I would I, I, I would understand if he did want to get ready for the combine since Bosa did that for Ohio State, but I don't think Gary's that type of player, and I think they got that team bonding going on down there. I, I would have a hard time seeing that happen. Did you see his mom's tweets? Like, apparently they mismanaged his injury, forced him back on the field, like against Notre Dame, forced him to play for a couple weeks. Do you guys do you take any precedent into that? Uh, it's the first I've heard of that, but that that's a little scary. I did see that. She came out and – well, she said that, and then she was kind of criticizing some of the people that were questioning his toughness or questioning what he wanted to do, you know, as far as either preparing for the combine or coming back. So it was interesting to see that. I, you know, I, because I did read before in the preseason that he he maybe needed off-season shoulder surgery. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's to it. If if Michigan said no, you don't need it. Let's just work through it. And now it's gotten worse. So hopefully that's not the case because you'd feel bad for him if that was the case. Yeah. I'm going to be covering a high school football game, but something you guys also have to look forward to for this game, Herbie on, Herbie's on the call. you got to love oh, that. Yeah. I mean, they, it, it just goes to show, like we talked about. I mean, Michigan, like, this is, I mean, this is a big game, but, uh, you know, they ABC, they put their big crew on, on the Michigan game. So. Yeah, 345 kickoff, I think, too, this Saturday, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, 345. I think the main reason with that is because uh, LSU Alabama is in primetime on CBS. So right. probably don't want to compete with LSU Bama. So they put that Michigan game at 330. It's still competing with Georgia Kentucky on CBS. So that's a big game in, in the SEC. But I mean, everyone in the Midwest, I, I mean, a lot of people are going to be watching Michigan Penn State. Oh, without a doubt. And it's going to be, I mean, it's just a great college football Saturday. Just the Michigan game and the Alabama LSU game alone. I mean, I'm geeked up for Saturday. I know what I'm doing for sure. And there's some other good games to flip back and forth to. Oh, there's some fantastic games. I mean, that Georgia Kentucky game yeah. is huge. Not many people are talking about it, but Kentucky, they if they beat Georgia. They can, and then they still have to take care of business and went out, but they can be in the SEC championship game. And that's wild to think of uh, Mark Stoops and, and Kentucky going to the SEC championship game because you, you only think of Kentucky as a basketball school. Like, far and away, you know, like Kansas and some of these other schools are basketball schools. You think about that with Kentucky. So that's actually going to be a really good game. And then I don't know about the other one. If you guys know, like Notre Dame goes to Northwestern. Yeah. Northwestern's in first place in the Big Ten West. So. How wild is that? That I mean, two teams that Michigan's already played. You know, if if Northwestern upsets Notre Dame and knocks Notre Dame maybe out of the playoff or something, and then Michigan maybe has to play Northwestern again in the Big Ten championship. That that's, that could be a good game. Ooh, I'm loving it. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> you guys are you guys are way too in on this Michigan team. I'm very nervous for Matt's uh, future uh, sanity. Well, what's your take, Jared? I mean, I mean, I think we're all nervous for these big games. I mean, I'm going to be nervous for this game, but I do think Michigan definitely has the talent. What do you, what do you think about this Michigan Wolverine team? I I am in on them. I take it one week at a time. Okay, I'm in on them this week versus Penn State. I really think that Ohio State against uh, Nebraska this week is gonna is gonna blow them out by a solid 30, 35 points, and then we're all gonna be go back to being very frightened of, of Ohio State. I just don't know how we can uh, like write off this Ohio State. I don't know, and you guys aren't necessarily writing it off. Well, definitely not. But but Ohio State, I mean, it's just they've dominated the Big Ten for since Urban Meyer's been there. I just don't think it's. I, I just, 
I don't I don't like the thought of thinking ahead to playing Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. That's that's just <laughs> where I I get a little apprehensive. And I just, so I, I, I definitely worried. wasn't like calling it like Michigan's going to be there. I'm just saying like if Northwestern goes on to win that side of the Big Ten, that could be Michigan's opponent if they make it to Indy because because yeah, I mean I. Indiana even gives Michigan problems all yeah. the time. So they could go and slip up against Indiana. Who knows? There, there's no way they're losing to Rutgers. No way. That's going to happen. No. But, yeah, that, that Ohio State game is still crazy. It's in Columbus. There's still a ton of talent on that Ohio State team. But, say, you, you never know what's going to happen in that game. So we're on football. What do you got? Who are you covering on Friday night, Jared, in high school football here in Michigan? Uh, hasn't been announced yet. I mean, it's obviously the playoffs are taking hold. Uh, but – before we before kind of, and I like I like the natural segue into high school football. I'm sure that uh, you are. On, what game are you calling this week? Uh, we have uh, New Lothrop at home against Cass City, and that sets up a nice round three matchup if it works out. New Lothrop would host Puamo Westphalia if both win uh, this Friday night. And that that's a huge rematch from a year ago. Top top ranked team against number two at the Hornet Field. They tied. For computer points and on tiebreakers in the MHSAA, New Lothrop gets to host it. So, you know, we're going to get by this week, hopefully, and, the, and New Lothrop can get by Cass City. And then, uh, whoo, next Friday night will be a ball. Yeah, that'd be a hell of a game. Speaking of, I, like, I know we talked about Puamo Masfeli on the our, our, pre, our preseason uh, high school football show. I, did I see that Ithaca got waxed last week? They got smoked. Is that is this the earliest they've been put out of the playoffs like in a long time? In a long, long time. And uh, Millington, which is a pretty good uh, football school, as you guys know, I mean, they put 50 points up on the board with the Yellow Jackets. So I don't know if they were wore out, things went bad, injuries or what. But uh, scoring 50 points against the Ithaca team and Terry Hesbrook, that's pretty unheard of. Yeah. I, you know what's coming up uh, with the new Lothrop and potential uh, Puamo Westphalia game? It's the classic New Lothrop uh, shit the bed playoff game. <laughs> We all know it's coming. <laughs> they're the, they're the favorites, head. though, right? I mean, they're, I mean, even to go to Ford Field. Pawamo, Westphalia? Or New Lothrop or Pawamo. Well, well, one of the two, but if you have, if you have to give a favorite, it's got to be PW. You know, they've already, they're back-to-back champions, and they beat uh, Ithaca handily in week one, and, you know, they've rolled the table again. But I think it'll be a good game. I really do, Jared. I listened to the Sports Forum a little bit uh, this past Friday. And you guys were talking about Morris. I, I kind of forget, did they win this past Friday? Yeah, they, they've won 57 to nothing, and they're definitely a, a possible eight-man football champ. I mean, they got a tough one against Wyoming Tri-Unity this uh, Friday night. But uh, Morris, it's, it's funny, the stat on the Orioles, you know, is uh, they haven't given up a point since September 14th. They've pitched six straight <laughs> shutouts in eight-man football. That's insane. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, hopefully, they can keep it rolling. That'd be that'd be spectacular for that little town. Which, yeah, as you guys probably know, there's been talk, a lot of talk in the past about closing that school down, consolidating with Perry, maybe. And then the 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 folks over there stuck together, built a new football field by uh, volunteering. I mean, I, I really like what they've done over in Morris. That's yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know that the new football field was all like volunteer based. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys, before we finish strong, I just want to tell you about the Corona Connection. That's a publication founded to create a platform for Corona residents. View the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com. And speaking of Corona, join the Corona Public Schools winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% make it their school of choice, whether young or old. It's great to be gold. Before we get off of football real quick, guys, one more thing. I know you, you probably saw that. Maryland's going to bring back D.J. Durkin? Yeah, I did see that. I, I wonder how that makes the Michigan State fans feel. That's what I was going to say. So, I mean, Michigan State's playing Maryland this week. You know, sometimes teams rally around a, a coach coming back from whatever situation. I, I did see, though, that they held a meeting, Maryland did, and a, a bunch of players apparently just got up and walked out of the meeting when they told them that Durkin was going to come back. That I guess at the press conference, it was just like the body language was really strange. It was just a really awkward press conference. Like, do you think this is something that, I mean, Maryland's not very good anyway, but do you think this is something that, you know, that maybe the players rally around and they, they upset Sparty, or what do you think? Uh, I... It doesn't sound like it, man. No. And Michigan yeah. State is, uh, I mean, they're favored by one, and I got to say, it, to me, it pretty much just comes down to, is Rocky Lombardi going to play? Uh, to be honest, as a Michigan fan, I'm thankful that he did not play against Michigan. This guy, oh, I mean, I mean, people are making a big deal about his name. 
and I, I'm 100% on board with that. This guy, with a name like that, you're a winner. He's got a cool football name, but don't tell me you're one of those that thinks he would have actually like changed the game against Michigan. I don't think he would have, but I, I it would made, it would have made me a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. He was he was going against Purdue's defense. Is he is he uh, is he better than Lewerke, You think uh, when a, a healthy Lewerke? I don't think I, so. I, I don't think at this point. Maybe eventually. I think maybe he'll you know turn out to be better. But a healthy Lewerke, I think people are kind of shortchanging him. He he's pretty good. I mean, he won ten games last year and had some big games. He's not like a first team All Big Ten quarterback, but you know he, he's pretty good. And yeah, people were going crazy on Twitter for Rocky Lombardi. It's like, dude, they they were playing Purdue. Purdue's right. defense is not good at all. And I, yeah, I saw D'Antonio. He came out and said like. They, they asked him about his two-quarterback, like his quarterback situation or whatever, and he said, this is a good problem to have. <laughs> that, and that's kind of like the thing. You mentioned the Twitter. Like, whether or not he's better than Lewerke, I think that there's something to be said about, you know, all the fans kind of embracing a guy. And they were going crazy about Rocky Lombardi. Like, they're behind him 100%, whereas I feel like they've kind of punted on Lewerke. And I think that that's important. And But this is what my – and this is a John Fattel, uh quote that he says to me probably he must have like read it one time when he and it's like stuck in his brain forever a star like a team can rally around like a star player being out for one game but you never but they usually can't do it for two or three games so that's where we'll see this week against maryland whether and it, it depends on if Lewerke's going to play or not i think they're going to roll with uh lombardi and we'll see if whether or not he's the real deal or not yeah and i think uh your old man some wise words there jared we'll see <laughs> Well, next up, let's see what's going on again with our pod's oldest athletic supporter, Jack Strap. Matt, Fred, Jerry, how you guys doing tonight? Well, the Red Sox are World Series champions again as Tommy Lasorda's Dodgers lose the series in five games. As you guys know, a hit here, a strike there, or in the case of Tommy Lasorda, a pitching move in game four may have cost the Dodgers big time. Heading into game four, the Dodgers had just defeated the Sox in game three, 18-inning marathon, and... Uh, Jerry there, you would have rather watched an Olympic marathon uh, runners go 26 miles than stay up until 3 a.m. Eastern time watching boring baseball. But Jerry, let me tell you, it was dramatic. Here's what you missed. During those 18 innings, I had six hot dogs, 12 Pabst Blue Ribbon beers. I made eight and a half trips to the bathroom. One time I didn't quite make it there, but, uh, but I digress. I made love to my wife during the 14th inning stretch passed a kidney stone in the 16th inning, and I ate a huge piece of Jackie's homemade pie in the 17th inning, and then Jackie made me some biscuits and gravy for the 18th inning. Hell, I would have made love to her again in the 19th, but the Dodgers spoiled the mood by winning with Herman Muncy smashing a walk-off homer in right field. Now, where, Jerry, can you find that type of entertainment for free? That, my friends, is living the high life. So, in this game of inches, and I'm not talking about my love life, the Dodgers recaptured old friend momentum. Lasorda sends veteran Rich Hill out to the mound to start pivotal game four, and Hill pitches brilliantly through six innings, and in the seventh, he's pulled after walking Carlton Fisk. And the rest is history, as the Dodgers' bullpen does not contain the Sox, and that, my friends, was the series. Now, I'm not saying that the Dodgers would have won if Lasorda had not pulled Hill, as it would have been an uphill battle, pun intended, but the reason for pitching change is creating a lot of national buzz. Apparently, there was a miscommunication between Hill and Lasorda. Lasorda thought Hill told him in the sixth inning, hey, keep an eye on him, because he still had his stuff, so to speak. And Lasorda thought he meant he was tiring, keep an eye out. Well, whatever happened to guys like Jack Morris, who wanted to pitch 12 innings? I blame both Hill and Lasorda for this one. Hill should have at least argued his case that he felt good and competitively expressed his desire to win this big game. But no! And Lasorda... 
sort of, as the great Italian communicator that he is, should have communicated with Hill rather than simply holding his hand out for the ball. Oh, well, it was a fun series, guys, and remarkably, Boston has another ticker tape parade. In NFL news, referee Hugo Chavez was fired in unprecedented fashion last week. Why? the NFL claims for bad cause. Well, that seems ridiculous because many other NFL referees make bad cause. Think Detroit Lions yellow flag against the Cowboys. But the league is allowing conspiracy wackos like me to speculate. Why didn't the NFL explain more specifically what led to the firing? Do they have evidence that he was involved with the mafia attempting to fix games, stealing hard-earned money from people with gambling addictions like our friend there, Jerry? Hey, Jerry, you're one crooked referee from living with me and Jackie. And uh, now that Jake's gone, we've got extra room in the basement. I think NFL Commissioner Paul tagged the Abuja gum clean. Transparency is what we demand. And speaking of demanding, the Cleveland Browns finally fire Hard Knocks coach Samuel Jackson. Looks like the oil fire on Lake Erie ignited Cleveland's municipal stadium this season. But I will tell you who will extinguish the Browns' fire, igniting a fire for winning football. Hey, Jerry, get a couple of those George Washingtons out of your wallet there. Do you guys even carry a wallet at your age? Anyway, wager on this one. Buckeye football coach Oscar Meyer will resign from Ohio State at the end of the season and will stay close to home taking over the young and talented Cleveland Browns. He will have Browns fans singing their new theme song. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer winner. That is what I truly wish to be. Because if we are an Oscar Mayer winner, America will not make fun of me. All right, on to our lovable Lions. Just when you have hope that the Lions have turned the corner, they break your freaking heart. But as fans, we keep coming back hoping that they'll change. They came out flat at home again and were outplayed by Coach Wayne Fonts. Uh, I, I should say Wayne Fonts was outcoached by Pete Carroll, but I think you guys know what I mean. But I still have hope that they will turn things around long term, and I, for one, support the release of Golden Tate to unload some money and receive a decent draft pick for 2019. The college Final Four is official, so let the excitement of college football's home stretch begin as Michigan is in the driver's seat. And guys, I just hope and pray that Michigan does not end the season holding Coach Meyer's wiener, so to speak. Oh, I hope we don't hold Oscar Meyer's wiener, the one that Meyer uses just to pee. Because if we lose and hold Meyer's wiener, he will piss on Coach Harbaugh, you and me. All right, guys, got to go. See you later. Well, always good to hear from Jack, that's for sure. Now, guys, let's let's jump into this. You know, I'm a humongous Queen fan, along with Greta Van Fleet. Both of those are two of my favorite van, favorite bands. But the the old time band, you like that one, do you, Jerry? <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me, but it was. <laughs> but uh, Queen, the movie Bohemian Rhapsody is coming out this weekend, and uh, I'm definitely going to see it. I'm going to fit it in between football. But it made me start to think. You got, and and you guys can offer your opinions too. What are what are some of the great movies that were about music that you can remember? So the the ones that came to mind, like you 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 know, messaged that to us earlier today, and I I just tried the ones that came to my mind right away. The first one was Walk the Line. I've I've always liked Johnny Cash's music, and that movie is really good to me. I I mean, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon were were really good in that movie. Uh, and then the other one is That Thing You Do. Uh, I don't know if, Jared, if you've ever seen that. That might have been before your times, but with Tom Hanks and, and The Wonders. That was, that was a really cool movie, too. So those, those were the first two that, that popped into my head. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah. A couple uh, a couple of uh, ones that uh, came, to, came to my mind right away. Drumline with uh, Nick Cannon. You guys probably, Matt, Matt, this might be your I time. I saw that. Yeah, that, that was actually really good. I like that. It's basically just about like a 
college marching band. Like Grambling and, or something like that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And me and my brothers watched it so many times. I We literally bought a little, like, one <laughs> uh, drum that we used. We had no idea how to play it. We were just banging it in our bass. I can't imagine how bad that made my parents. Oh, my. And then another, and this is just for me, uh, This and I, again, my weird brain, this is what came to my head. Uh, there's a movie, I think it's called, like, uh, Biggie or something like that, and it's about Big uh, Big Papa, Notorious B.I.G. Right. And the only reason that that's a good one in my brain is because we owned it and it had like some nudity in it, and so that was usually <laughs> that was usually what I grabbed off the shelf uh, to watch at nighttime, and that's why that's one of my favorites. That moves it up the list for sure. That I, moves it up the list. What do you think about a movie like uh, Eight Mile with Eminem? Oh yeah, yeah, man. I, I'm surprised I, I like that movie a lot. That was really good. Also, you know, you talked about Walk the Line, Matt. Uh, another classic movie about Loretta Lynn, Coal Miner's Daughter, was another great movie if you like country music and her career. I haven't seen that one. That's a that's a great movie. It really is. Uh, you guys both probably have seen Blues Brothers somewhere along the line, haven't you? I I did see that. Not in a long time, though. I don't really remember that movie. I, I know a lot of people like it, though. That's a great movie. I actually am surprised that I actually liked that one. My dad. That's one of those movies my dad showed me on like a rainy day, and right. I actually liked it. But, uh, Ted, I got bad news about Uh-oh. Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Have you seen the reviews on this thing? To get bad reviews? I was going to say, I've ripped. seen a lot of bad reviews. It's what? been getting ripped. What? Uh, Appar- script or what? Apparently, uh, well, first off, apparently Freddie Mercury's like only in about half of the movie. What? And then, uh, I guess, uh, like, Sasha Baron This is and this is something that I actually thought was more, like, interesting, not necessarily a complaint, but, like, Sasha Baron Cohen was actually supposed to play, like, Freddie Mercury, and then he saw that he was only in half the movie, and he dropped out. Well, I think the, the Sasha Baron Cohen uh, script was, it was more of a Freddie Mercury movie. It was, it was going to be about the whole dark side of Freddie Mercury, you know, and it was more focused on him, where this one is focused on the band, and from what you're telling me, maybe they made a mistake on it. I'll let you know for sure after I see it. Yeah, I, I did read that Sasha Baron Cohen has been trying to make this movie for like five or six years. So, right, I don't know if there was a disconnect in the, the production company that picked up the script or what, but I think he would have been a really good Freddie Mercury. I don't know if you guys saw the, the trailers, but the dude that's playing him, he looks exactly like him. Yeah, he does. So I, I kind of thought it looked good, but yeah, reading the reviews, it, it seems like uh, the... The experts, I guess, aren't are really high on it. Well, you can't always go by reviews, but I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> I feel like see, t- this is what I worry about with that with you letting us know is I feel like you're just nostalgia is just gonna you're gonna love this movie anyway. It's and possible. I just know, and I just know that uh, somewhere in like an alternate universe, like uh, a twenty year old uh, high like shaggy haired Ted is gonna be disappointed. In you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll I'll give you my honest opinion. I'll go into it as a as a movie critic instead of a Queen fan. How's that? And I can't wait. I can't. And I just know. I'm calling this right now. You're gonna after you see it. You're gonna have some like corny tweet like this movie rocked me. <laughs> <laughs> Pass me the Doobie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that one of the movies you were gonna throw out, Ted, uh, as far as music movies, was gonna be The Doors. That's what that was on my list, and I thought uh, Val Kilmer really nailed Jim Morrison in that. Did you Did you see that one? I have seen that. That's a good movie. I, I thought that would be one of yours too. Yeah, it was. I've got. I just penciled in some things. Some other good ones. Have you ever seen This Is Spinal Tap? Yep. That that still holds up. I mean, I'm going to go back old school. The Beatles came out with A Hard Day's Night, and uh, it was all about the Beatles and how they were back in those days. It was mid '60s. That's a good one. That's worth checking out. It's in black and white. Very corny, but uh, some great music for sure. And you know, what about uh, the Ray Charles uh, movie, Ray? Actually, I never saw that. Oh, Jamie Foxx was unbelievable. (laughs) The only thing I know about that movie is I used to watch um, Step Brothers all the time. (laughs) Right. It wasn't Step Brothers. It was, uh, well, it was Friday Night Lights. I used to watch Friday Night Lights all the time. And, like, for the trailers of that, like, for the DVD, that movie always played. Like, that was one (laughs) of the trailers. That's about all I know about that movie. I'll bet your dad liked Purple Rain, too, with Prince. Yeah, that's a. That, I have watched that too. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good. That's a good one to know. And uh, can here's a little. Uh, this is kind of not necessarily veering off, but movies just sort of something that I thought was interesting. They're opening up like an Indiana Jones land, like at Disney World right. or something like that. And it just. It, and this is man, I'm loving the saying tonight. That was di- this is diving into my weird brain part four on the day. And I remember going to Disneyland as a kid. 
And do you guys remember like the where you would be able to be, play like an actor in like the Indiana Jones? Yeah, I yeah, mean, guys, yeah. They'd bring so you remember, up there. Yep. I remember my dad did that. No, <laughs> I was, I was like over the moon about it. Like my dad, an actor in Indiana Jones. <laughs> I just thought, like, wow, what a dumb kid I was. Now, did he play Indiana Jones? No, he was, he was some extra. Like, yeah, one of like, the extras in, in behind the scenes. He didn't do anything. <laughs> That's good stuff. Well, before we before we close the show, guys, let's keep it on the movie topic. You know, we're recording this the night before uh, Halloween. You know, Halloween came out with a whole new reboot with Jamie Lee Curtis, and I know we have some uh, favorite scary scary movies on our list out there. What are some of the ones you guys would throw out that that scared the hell out of you, or you enjoyed? I don't know about like uh, you know, like I don't know if you want to call them the slasher movies type of thing. I like more like thrillers. You know, we talked about on a pod a little while ago, like that movie Get Up. Get Out, yeah. That's kind of like a horror. Or yeah, yeah, Get Out. That's that's like a horror movie, I guess. Considered, but that's more like a thriller to me. So those those are the ones I like. But I know growing when I was like going through middle school, high school, the movies that were huge. I mean, they were huge when I was going. We would all go to Owasso Cinemas and, and watch them when they came out. Were the I know what you did last summer movies. Oh yeah, Scream movies. The Scream movies were like. A huge deal. Everyone wanted to be that dude for Halloween. I mean, that those were huge. So th- those movies are actually really cool. I mean, maybe I'm nostalgic because that's what I kind of like grew up watching or thinking was cool. Well, I think that's why the, that's why this podcast sort of works because we all have differing opinions from different parts of our life, you know, and that fits pretty well. I mean, Jared, you started to bring about Exorcist. I mean, that movie when that came out in the '70s. Uh, it was just the the press was unbelievable because you know it was people were people were getting possessed people were you know dying of heart attacks after seeing that movie i mean it had so much hype and i remember seeing it at the movie theater in flint at the time there was a lineup to get into the theater of about 4 blocks long to sh- just to go see this movie and i will tell you this it scared the living crap out of me and i had a nightmare it was probably couple days after that movie where i thought i was possessed <laughs> and <laughs> and i some of that may have been true i, think, I don't know at that stage think, of my life <laughs> i think you might have just had a uh, bad batch of uh, the green <laughs> that's entirely <laughs> but, possible too but uh no so yeah the exorcism is i've never even seen that movie but i don't know if you guys were familiar with what's called the scary maze game uh-uh so what it was is it was like a it was on addictinggames.com, which is a little bit of me and Matt's sort of generation, yep, yep. where uh, there was a game where you had to focus and you had a little little dot and you had to fit it in between like squiggly lines that are super tight and it's like you had to really focus to get it through. My brothers had me play that game, <laughs> and so this is what so you go up and you you're going you're playing the game and they turn the volume all the way up and this is what happens in that game as soon as you like dart off of the. Uh, you get to like the final level, like the boss challenge, and as soon as you go out of bounds on that uh, that level, the exorcist uh, face, like that scary face, all cut up, that girl's face pops up on the screen and it screams at you. And I'm not joking. I had my nose because I was focusing so hard on this game. I had my nose right to the screen and it jumped out and scared me. I've never been more scared in my life. It haunted me for years. My brothers, years later printed off a picture of that face and hung it in my basement one time and I went down there I, I sprinted upstairs I was crying three years later it haunted it changed my life forever oh my and I never even, that movie and that's I've never seen that movie just that face that picture changed my life forever that's how scary of a movie that probably is awesome I think you'll both get a kick out of this uh Jared your dad when he was a little kid there was a television show uh it was a, it was kind of a daytime soap opera that focused on vampires it was called dark shadows have you ever heard of that? <laughs> Sounds horrible. Oh well, it had it had, a, it had a vampire. His name was Barnabas Collins, and it was it was a daily soap opera that that featured Barnabas Collins, and it was all these scary things. It had this scary music that introed the show every week. Well, they had one character. This guy's name was Jeremiah. He was he was this ghost, you know, and he was he was wrecking. Uh, he was he was really haunting this this castle that Barnabas lived in. Well, your brother was, or your dad, rather, was like, I don't know, five five years old, let's say. And 
the rest of the family would get on him. You know, we'd go, we'd be chasing him, going Jeremiah, and he was scared shitless, man. It, it was hilarious. <laughs> it's kind of an older brother thing you do to the younger brothers, just like you're I'm talking about. I'm not gonna about. lie, the Twilight Zone kind of still scares the piss out of me. I don't, there's something about that show. I don't know what it is. And isn't there something about these these scary movies and some of these shows? The music really helps make them. I mean, you think oh. about The Exorcist in that song, you know, or you think about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, that's one of the classics. It's a slasher movie, but I thought it had a great plot with the whole don't fall asleep or you're going to die. Yeah. I mean, I think the Halloween music is some of the most iconic music, yeah. even in like all of movies, but for scary movies, for sure. Yeah. And when that music comes on and Michael Myers is like, walking he never runs when he's walking after the victim that, that's creepy man oh no doubt can i can i what type, can, now here's just kind of shift gears a little bit what type of like dads are you guys like with handing out candy are you guys like see ted i kind of picture you as like a take one like leave take put a bowl out like a take one bowl guy man i kind of see you as more of a like yeah i love halloween like i'm gonna hand out like full-size candy bars we give out we give out decent candy bars. I, I don't know if they're full size, but to tell you the truth, Jared, I I let my wife do all of that. She's a she's a Halloween freak. She just loves handing out the treats at the door. So I I just spell her when she goes to the bathroom. That's my duty. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, I've I've nice definitely I've I've got some stuff to learn because I give out so much candy I always run out after like a half hour. So I'm always <laughs> way way too generous on the kids that show up first. Here, okay, so here's an idea. So this is something I saw this year that was actually awesome. So Phil Sims, back when he used to do the voiceover, or maybe he still does for Madden, mm-hmm. he used to hand out. He used to people, kids would come up to his door and ask, and they and he would ask them, uh, "What console do you have? Like Xbox or PS4?" And he would give them Madden. So my idea is that Ted, you should hand out copies of your play-by-play. Like, That's... Oh, here's a doozy: Coronavirus LC, 1984. <laughs> <laughs> or, how, or why don't I just give out sports magazines I used to give to you guys? Yeah, about, there you go. How about that? Or were they were they quote unquote sports magazines? <laughs> no, here's what I used to do, Jer- uh, uh, Matt. Uh, you know, I've I, I'm a pack rat. I'm going to admit it. You know, and, all, and back before the internet, you know, when you had to do research on uh, on sports on the radio, you know, I've been doing it so long. You'd have to get Street and Smith's annual football edition or, you know, I'd have Inside Sports magazine or ESPN the magazine. Well, I don't remember when I started doing it, but we'd always have get-togethers mostly for John's kids, Jared and uh, Johnny and Josh. And, you know, we'd go over and, of course, we'd give our, our card to them with the cash in it. But I always wrapped up in a comic, uh, uh, the comics out of the paper, one of my old magazines to give to them. You know, think think about it in the 2010 and you get a 1980 Inside Sports magazine. I mean, it's kind of kind of neat to read. So that was kind of my tradition. No, that would be cool. I, it makes me think of uh, the movie Back to the Future. We're talking about movies. Yeah. You know, Back to the Future, where they go they go to the future, or they go to the past and, and get the magazine that has all the, the stuff that's going to happen and everything. So, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Now, I won't get mad, Jared, but did you did you kind of like those, or did you think those were just Uncle Ted being real corny? No, no I like it. It was a great uh, gift. Uh, I mean, it's one of those things you kind of flip through. Uh, <laughs> one time. Kind of store and basically do what you were doing with it, which is store, <laughs> store it away, just to probably be thrown away one day. But my favorite one is, I remember I turned 18 and you gave me a, uh, a XXX magazine that you had stored away. <laughs> that one I do know where that's at. Well, that I'm, one I, took to, I, might, I may or may not have taken to college with me. I'm glad you enjoyed that one. Can you still open the pages? <laughs> I'm sure not anymore. No, yeah, I've... We're at a technologically advanced age where that's not necessary anymore. <laughs> but uh, can I ask you, uh, what's your guys' like favorite candy like to receive, like like a Halloween candy? If we're talking like trick or treating, or just like any time? Uh, trick or treating. Keep it Halloween themed. I mean, if we're talking like you know Halloween trick or treating candy, Reese's peanut butter cups are probably the ones that I'd have to go with. Yeah, it's hard to beat Reese's. I know I'm also, I've always been ever since I was a little kid, though, and I still enjoy them to this day, is a payday. You guys like payday? It's random. I don't even know if I've ever eaten a payday. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if I've ever had one, though. Here's a little fun fact that, like, everyone knows, but, like, they feel the need to shove down your throat, like, whenever you're at a party, like a par- like a Halloween party. Mix um, candy corn with, like, peanuts, and it tastes like a payday bar. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not everybody knows that. I never knew that, but I don't like candy corn. 
Well, mix it with peanuts, trust me. I'll try it. You're one of the few. I know Jared has seen this. I don't know if you have too, Ted, but did you see that? They've been throwing around a graphic all over Twitter and everything about each state's favorite Halloween candy, and Michigan's was candy corn. Oh, I did see that, yep. I love candy corn. I, I don't get people that hate it. I honestly love it. I, I don't know what it is. It's something weird in my brain that screws loose. But I love it. What is it? I'm just not... cornstarch and wax? Or what What the hell is it? <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go as far as saying I love it. I'll, you know, at Halloween, I'll grab a handful or two. I'll eat some. It's hard to beat a Snickers bar, too. Yeah. Snickers true. is pretty good. Three Musketeers always been a, one of, one, a favorite. Kit Kat. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, though. I feel like I could crush, like, six of those at, at a time. I've crushed a bunch of them already this week at work. <laughs> you know, every holiday now, they have, like, the different shapes. Like, they have the pumpkin for Halloween, the Christmas tree for Christmas, the egg for Easter. I'm a fan. I, I don't know. Those seem to, like, taste different. They're I, better. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of like the pumpkin one because you didn't have to mess around with the piece of, you know, the wrapping around it. And yeah. then it, you, and you got some of it still stuck to the wrapping. Where if you open up the pumpkin one, you, you can just down it. Yep. <laughs> I like the pumpkin one as well. Just because it's like Reese's and Halloween colors, they're very similar. It's just a perfect match. I love it. And uh, can I? So, what you guys is like? What did you guys like dress up as growing up? <laughs> like, just so that was, I was really, I was like thinking, like, can I give my predictions? Then you guys can tell me. Sure. Like, Ted, uh, I kind of picture you dressing up as like a member of the Beatles, <laughs> like at least once or twice in your day, or a member of Queen, or some sort of like rock star. And then, Matt, I pretty much just see you. Dressing up as like Jalen Rose, like every year, like a Jalen Rose jersey, and then call it good. <laughs> Chris Webber. Not far off. I know. I had. I don't know if you guys ever had one of those. It was like the brand was Hutch or Russell, like you know that the, the right. kids' football set. You get the helmet and the jersey and everything. I had. I had a Michigan one that I wore uh, like a few years for for uh, for Halloween. Yeah, and uh, to answer your question, Jared, it, it, this is going to crack you up. Uh, I, I'm sure I was Batman somewhere along the line, the old 60s version of Batman. But the one picture that still stands out to me, and it just, it's so lame. Back back in the early 60s, and you know, think about when I was a little kid going out trick-or-treating, John F. Kennedy had just been assassinated, or he was president. I, I was John F. Kennedy, and my sister Mary was Jackie. And, and we actually had, we had those plastic masks, you know, with a rubber band around the back. And you couldn't hardly breathe in those things. <laughs> yeah, I, I would You were making a political statement even back then. Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> I would laugh, but one year I dressed up as like Teddy Roosevelt. So. Teddy Roosevelt. Do you have the mustache and everything? <laughs> yep, mustache, the uh, the glasses, I had the whole shebang. Nice, nice. I will say when I got to college, uh, I'm curious to hear what Jared and, and you too, Ted, but what you guys think of this. I was, no joke, six years in a row a beer pong table for Halloween. I saw a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, every year I would try and come up with like a different variation. And the, maybe the picture you saw, but one of the best ones was I had some buddies that worked at Lowe's in college, and I had them bring home a refrigerator box, like a box for a refrigerator, and I cut that whole thing out and taped a bunch of cups to it, cut a hole for my head, <laughs> carried that thing around uh, like a bunch of parties at Grand Valley for Halloween. It was It was awesome. But then it got to be really obnoxious because I had to, like, walk that thing through doors and walk it through crowds. But the best part was, man, those those uh, costumes were always easy icebreakers for talking to ladies. Oh, yeah. See, but, that, like, they're easy icebreaker, but you also kind of, like, I feel like that's, like, one of those costumes that's, like, super clever, like, but it, like, impresses, like, your, your boys. Like, it doesn't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not to be... The, the, the thing goal. that really worked is the girls would always want to play beer pong on it. <laughs> so I would always just, like, be standing there, and then I could just, like, talk to them while, while they were playing. Nice. It, worked. it was It was probably something, too, like, it was more like back in my college days because, you know, beer pong was still kind of, like, kind of new. You know, now, yeah. like, I know you guys have, like, 100 variations on beer pong and every, like, party game that there is. Right. Yeah, we had nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. Play Frisbee. You're right. You know, not – not to pat myself on the back, but I just kind of always uh, was very, you know, cultured and understood, like, heroes and who was, like, really important, like, in the history of the United States. But I was, I was Jackie Robinson one year. As well. Oh, number 42, huh? Yeah, so had, to, had the stirrups and everything on it. Great costume. <laughs> I hope you, you didn't go blackface, though, did you? Oh, no. No, I, no, I didn't. 
Okay. Good good move, Jared. <laughs> yeah, very much so. You know, and not to kind of change gears, and maybe this could be our last topic, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah, we're, we're running out. Yep. But did you guys see that, like, Apu is going to be written off of The Simpsons? And I don't know if you guys are as big as Simpsons fans as I am. But I basically grew up on that show. And it's just, I thought it was kind of a sad day. Is that because of political correctness or what? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's just, and the kind of the thing, like South Park, like if they, if they receive crap, like they would never like bow down. Right. And that just shows you that Simpsons just isn't what it once was. You know, obviously they don't have Conan O'Brien writing for them and stuff like they used to, but it's just, I don't know, just a sad day as a Simpsons fan. I think fan. part of that too is the, the network that they're on. You know, South Park is on Comedy Central, and they, they especially they're they're on mostly late at night, so they can get away with a lot more. I mean, Fox they're not going to allow that kind of stuff if if it becomes an issue, if it has now become, you know, a political correctness issue, like Ted said. And you know, Simpsons if they want to if they want to keep going, unless they want to change networks, which that's never going to happen. You know, they kind of gotta gotta do what's right, I guess, in the, in the eyes of the network. Yeah, that's for the sure. The thing that I don't get is that isn't like Homer Simpson kind of like a stereotype of like, like a, a middle-aged like white guy. Like, isn't I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like that's comedy. I don't know. That's just kind of my yeah. Sometimes, sometimes this political correctness is over the line. You know, I mean, it, it, I don't know. If it hurts people, I guess you get rid of it. But do you think it? Do you think it offends a lot of people? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, obviously, they got pressure. It's Sunday night prime time, and right. advertisers and everything goes along with it. And let's face it, you know, I'm not going to get all political here, but holy cow, what is going on in our country right now with the the bomber sending bombs out and the synagogue shooter and you know everything yeah, else? Terrible. I think the only thing I can say and make here that I think we all would agree with, and hopefully. You're uh, registered to vote, Jared. Everybody just needs to get out there and vote this election. No matter no matter who you vote for, you know it's your right as an American. And you, I can't say it enough. You, you need to go vote. Something that I did here that does kind of make I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not registered to vote, but it, I am kind of having like a change of heart and sort of how I view things. Whereas I was listening to a podcast. I, don't, I think it was on the Adam Carolla show. I don't remember who the guest was now, but he was just preaching how. The worst thing you can have is, like, apathy, like, toward yeah. politics. And that's kind of what I have. You know, that's what I've had. I've had said that on the show. Basically, whenever we talk about politics on this show, I, like, kind of roll my eyes, but you guys can never see me. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it really, and it's just, I kind of, so I've been trying to force myself, you know, pat, pat myself on the back. I've been trying to, like, force myself to, like, t- to take in a little bit more politics. But Well, well you know, Jared, really, I, this is funny you bring it up, because I was thinking about that, because I, I always know that you roll your eyes when politics gets brought up. But, you know, when you think about it, and you're a college kid, right? Uh-huh. I mean... You're you're the next generation, man. I mean, if you think back to the '60s, obviously you weren't around. But if you look back at history, the young people really helped change this country, and it was it started on the college campuses. And I think it's very key. I don't know. I don't know what kind of uh, of uh, political stuff goes on at Grand Valley, but if if you're at University of Michigan or the big time schools, it's a big part of it. Now, and you're saying you're starting to get into it a little bit. A little bit. I, I, I just think I need to, you know, it's just, like you said, it's just important. You just can't not, you can't just turn your head to it, no. I guess, is what, is what my big takeaway is. Yeah, and I think my whole thing to you is being the old guy, lived through all this, hopefully has a little wisdom. I mean, you know, it's up to your generation and Matt's to, to help this country turn around because, frankly, I, I have never, ever seen anything about it. You keep hearing me repeat that, but I've never seen this. You know, my dad has never seen this. Uh, it's it's terrible. And ho- we can, hopefully the politicians, politicians out there can work together because you can't have straight partisan politics. you, you got to work together. Yeah, and I think I, I always think that, you know, because when I was 18 or early in college, I'll be honest, I was maybe the same as Jared. I'd I didn't register to vote maybe until I was 22 or 23 or something, and I wasn't all that interested in politics. And, you know, just because I was worried about having fun and just, you know, being young or whatever. But, you know, I think that's something that the older generation or some of the people who are are the older people, and it doesn't have to be older, but maybe that they don't want to be as progressive on certain political issues, they bank on the younger people being apathetic towards voting and, and politics because, like you said, they see a lot of times the younger kids, the college-age kids, that get things changed, that maybe, you know, whether it's right or wrong, they, they try and progress things and, you know, make things a little more modern with the way that we know and, and think now. And, 
you know, so they the older generation sometimes banks on the younger kids not wanting to vote or not wanting to get out there and, and use true. their 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 right to vote. Right. And the thing is, if you're going to vote, it, 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 it doesn't take that much to just do a little research, especially with today's day and age and the resources you have available. You know, find out where the where the candidates stand and, and vote with your heart on who who you think is going to best represent you. That's my final political statement for the night, boys. <laughs> Yeah, once we got you going. Yeah. Oh, I, we could talk politics. And I can talk politics without criticizing one party or the other because, like I said, I mean, they got to work together. That's all there is to it. Right. I, I think there's definitely there's good good and bad from, from both sides. And, yeah, it's a shame that you can't work together. Like, why, why can't people see the good and bad from both sides and, and figure out a mi- middle ground? Absolutely. Well, I don't want to leave on a somber note. Uh, congratulations to the to the. Uh, Boston Red Sox winning the World Series and finishing in October. How about that? I guess if you want to say congratulations to them, go <laughs> not ahead. a big fan, huh? <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the Boston they, Tigers. Well, a, lot of, a lot of former Tigers on that team. <laughs> I know, I know. We'll save that talk for another time, but uh, yeah, they played well. They did play well. Well, let's. I want to call- throw. I know we're going to sign off. I want to yeah. throw one more movie out. I'm curious to hear what Jared thinks of this because he would have. I don't think you were around, Jared, when this movie came out. Talking about scary movies, and I know Ted, you'll remember it, the Blair Witch Project. That's a, that one. Will it's a great movie, but it's like I expected. A, like I remember watching that whole movie and just like expecting a huge like blow up at the end, like just such a build up, and it never came. Well, but the like, thing I is, I don't like at the time there wasn't there was never a movie really like that where it was like handheld camera, low budget. And, Right, handheld, low budget, like Ted said, in the woods. Like, there wasn't a movie like that, and that was almost like a revolutionary thing. It was. And it was, I remember, like, me and my buddies, I was, like, probably late middle school, early high school when that came out. And after that movie came out, and it was, you know, pretty creepy for the time, and it was a cool movie, we would just, like, take video cameras out in the woods and just, like, do dumb stuff, like, <laughs> try try and make movies like the Blair Witch Project. Like, it was crazy. That that movie was huge when it did came you, out. Did you that, think that was, it was, that was real, really cool. Honestly. Trust, trust Circle here, three-point podcast, Trust Circle. Did you think it was real when you saw it? Oh, yeah. I, I remember thinking it was real because, again, like, you know, the Internet wasn't very big back then, and there wasn't all this research and everything. Obviously, if it came out nowadays, immediately someone would, right. like, debunked it, you know, right away. So at the time, yeah, I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, that's, that's real. And i got to throw one more out since you got me going again on these movies. Silence of the Lambs. How awesome yeah. was that? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm blanking on his name. Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's a creepy movie. That really was. All right, let's call it a pod, guys. All right? Just want to tell our listeners, share this uh, three-point podcast with all your friends. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, or tune in. Give us a rating and fire off a comment on our podcast page. Follow us or comment on Twitter at 3PointPod. Also, Instagram at 3PointPod. Again, I want to thank Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to 3Point Podcast. He did the match. He did the monster From my laboratory in the castle east to the monster. Vampires peace. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt.